Hello, everyone. I'm Laura. And I'm Chantal. And this is Don't Judge a Girl by Their Size. The podcast following one woman's journey to health through weight loss surgery and beyond. And I'm that woman. The information and personal experiences shared on this podcast are for general informational and entertainment purposes only. Our stories represent individual perspectives and do not constitute professional medical advice, guidance, or recommendations. Always consult your own physician regarding any medical issues, treatment plans, or lifestyle changes. All right, Chantal, episode one, here we are. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on our very first episode of Don't Judge a Girl by Their Size. Let's uh, tell people a little bit about why... Why we decided to start this podcast, Chantal? I think that for us, you know, Laura and I have known each other for most of our lives. Our mothers went to college together and have been friends since they were in college. And um, my parents adopted me when I was about six years old. And so that's when I came into the family, which also included Laura and her family. So we've grown up with each other and we've um, seen each other through so much and experienced so much of our lives together. And so it almost, it just felt so natural to embark on this journey together as well. Um, Laura also is having a pretty significant surgery shortly after mine. Um, Laura, why don't you tell us what you're doing? So, okay. So a little, a little context too. So um, like Chantal said, we've known each other for many, many, many years, and we've always talked about doing some sort of creative project together. Yes. Um, because I think we're both just like creative souls and like passionate individuals. And um, Chantal has such a unique and interesting story to share. And I've always wanted to be like, hey, how can we help people like and share your story and um, do this kind of thing? And so, um, yeah, so we decided to collaborate on this. Um, I think before I talk about my surgery, Chantal, okay. let's talk about your surgery because that's really like the focus of, of certainly what we're doing here. Certainly. Um, okay. So um, I have decided to go ahead and have bariatric surgery. Um, I'm having a vertical gastric sleeve done on November 16th. When we started this process, I did not have my surgical date at that point. Um, so that is something I've found out more recently. So essentially, I had gone to see my doctor back in June, and I was struggling quite a bit uh, with my mobility and with pain and circulation. And I was starting to have some, you know, complications that were manifesting physically. And luckily, nothing too extreme. I wasn't pre-diabetic at that point um, and still not, thank goodness. I wasn't having high cholesterol, like all these, you know, terrible, big, scary things that come along with obesity. And me starting this at such a high, you know, with such a high BMI, it was kind of surprising to both my doctor and myself that I didn't have a lot of these comorbidity um, diagnosis along with the obesity. And so it kind of was like, okay, before any of these develop, let's do something. Um, and so he gave me a referral to the weight loss clinic and Laura kindly came and picked me up and took me to that appointment and we started this journey in July. Mm -hmm. Yeah, at so, that point we were just like, you know, we were talking about 
you know, this this major life change that Chantal's, you know, about to go through. And we were like, you know what? Like, there are so many other people in this world who are, you know, struggling with, with similar things, you know? And yeah. the more that we can, like, share this this journey and, like, help other people understand it, too, even yeah. for those who aren't going through it. Because yeah. I think there's also this, like, misperception that, like, bariatric surgery is, like, kind of like the cheat code is like the easy way and that is just like so not the case at all and I've learned so much about about it you know and and so much about this process and it's really you know it's so much more than just like a physical journey it's it's you know it's mental it's emotional it's psychological it's even like spiritual in a lot of ways because you're just you're going to be changing so much about yourself and you already have had to change so much about yourself just in the process of like preparing for your surgery i think it's really important for people to understand like how difficult it is and then also like little things like i didn't understand like what is like how how you eat and like how your body like absorbs nutrients is never going to be the same so it's something that you're Correct. for the rest of your life going to be i have to work on yeah yeah going to be working on so i think that like kind of demystifying some of these things yeah um is also a a part of the motivation for me for even those who who aren't necessarily going through bariatric surgery and i think I do hope that this this podcast can appeal to a wider audience um, because even people who aren't doing that, like a lot of what we're hoping to talk about and going to be talking about is, you know, the mental health journey, the the struggles that we all go through as as individuals and like how we can just become like better people and live our best lives in general. So definitely um, there's definitely a stigma around bariatric treatment. And there's a lot of, you know, questions that people have or statements that they make of like, why don't you just go on a diet or you're cheating your way out of your, you know, your weight or, you know, my neighbor, you know, the people say my neighbor, my cousin gained all the way back after having surgery. And so there's just no point to it. There's, you know, there's just so many different misconceptions about it. And so for me, this podcast is not only to provide support of people who are contemplating or going through or have had a bariatric procedure, but I also want it to be for people that just that know somebody that is struggling with obesity and maybe take a second to consider all of the different things that go into it. And um, maybe it'll, you know, give them an opportunity to be kinder and um, to be more considerate because this is not an easy, this is not the easy way out by any means. Um, And it's, it's not easy to live with being obese I feel like you know for me I don't I don't fit in anywhere and and not just physically I mean when you stop fitting into places physically you start to feel like you don't fit in emotionally either and um it's a real struggle and so hopefully you know we can kind of give a little bit of an insight to that Mm -hmm, absolutely um as far as my own personal surgery um Uh, just like three weeks after Chantal is having her surgery, I am also having a major life altering surgery in that um, I'm having a double mastectomy, a prophylactic double mastectomy. I uh, am BRCA1 positive. Uh, BRCA is a breast cancer gene mutation that basically means that I, it's not a matter of like 
if I'm going to get cancer, it's more a matter of when. And uh, I'm getting up there in years a little bit. I'm, I'm 35 now. And so the longer I wait, the more my risk of getting cancer goes up. And so, you know, I've spent the last like 15 years of my life doing screenings every year. Um, I started having mammograms when I was 28, you know, and, and at first it was like not a big deal. I just go in and have an MRI and like move on with my life. But then the last few years, it's like, I feel like every time I go in, there's something, you know, and I've been, I've been lucky in that I haven't had to have any major biopsies or anything like that. Like I have friends who've, who are also BRCA positive who have, you know, had, had much scarier, you know, histories than I have. But I still have decided that this is like the best path for me is to just go ahead and like have the mastectomy and then I can just have the the peace of mind and the quality of life of like not ever having to worry about like when I'm going to get cancer and never having to to, to think about that. And, Absolutely. you know, if I, you know, decide to have children in the future, that'll never be something that will, you know, interfere with, you know, my, my life. So, um, both of my parents had cancer. My mom had cancer, had breast cancer twice when I was growing up, which is how, of course, we discovered the, the gene mutation. She has very little family history other than herself and, and myself. And she had a cousin who had breast cancer, um, who was diagnosed in the eighties before the gene was even, a th- you know, a identified. Yeah, yeah. A thing. <laughs> so, you know, it was, it was not until I was in high school that it was, that she started taking kind of a closer look at, you know, why did I get cancer a second time 13 years after I had had cancer the first time, you know, after 10 yeah. years, you're considered cured. So why did it come back? And so luckily my mom is a amazing and powerful woman and an advocate for herself. And she did the genetic uh, counseling and got testing and, and discovered that she had the mutation. And then when I was 22, I, I did it finally, finally did it myself. I put it off a few years. You can't do any of that like genetic testing or counseling until you're 18. Uh, but it was, you know, I was 18 and then I was 19 and going to college and um, then I was in college and I was like, I can't deal with this stuff. I have finals and like other things to worry about in my life. Right? And so it took me a while to kind of finally like, party to get to <laughs> exactly, exactly. I have like such better things to be doing in my life. And so I finally, you know, after I graduated from college is when I finally was like, okay, I need to, I need to figure this out. Um, and I think there was a part of me that kind of knew, you know, I don't know, like you, you can never really know, but I think there was like a part of me that was like, I just, I just know I have it. I just know, I just know that this is something that, that I, that I'm going to have to deal with. And so I, it did take me a while to kind of come to terms with it. And then when I first got tested, I didn't tell anybody, like I couldn't talk, like I physically like couldn't talk about it for so long because it was just like kind of a, I don't know. It was just really heavy and like kind of like a traumatic thing in and of itself. And um, so yeah, it, I, but it's it's been a lot. It's been many years since then, um, over 10 years. And so I, I've come a lot more to terms with it. And I also think that from my side of things, it's important for people to understand their cancer risks. Uh, I think genetic, uh, genetic cancers, especially breast cancers are, and ovarian cancers are a lot more prevalent than people even realize, um, yeah. especially if you're specific, like Ashkenazi Jewish women have tend to have a lot more cases and also black women. Um, and so I think it's really important, like the more I can share my story, 
uh, and help other people understand, you know, what is BRCA? What is, you know, why am I having a double mastectomy, which might seem like a very extreme decision to a lot of people, especially for someone who actually doesn't have any cancer right now. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's a big part of it for me. Yeah. I yeah. will say um, for everyone who's listening, uh, again, this podcast is going to focus a lot more on Chantal and her journey, but we we do have a Patreon. And for our Patreon subscribers, we're going to be doing some more specific episodes to me and, and my journey and what I'm going through. So um, we'll definitely be touching on it. I'll be talking about it throughout. But um, to really like dive in, uh, we encourage everyone to go subscribe to our Patreon and check that out. So it just it, it worked out that Laura and I both had these significant surgeries coming up in our life. And not only have we been a support system for each other for so long, it just seems so natural that we do this together as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and just it was just so coincidental that like these things like kind of overlapped so well that we could, absolutely. you know, both <laughs> kind of document what we're going through. Um, so our our season one that you're listening to right now is our preoperative journey up to surgery and then season two which will be coming out early next year is going to be about our post-operative journeys and what we've been experiencing so stay tuned for that support for this podcast is provided by freedom multifamily acquisitions they are your key to financial freedom through real estate investments making your money work for you not the other way around please visit freedommfa.com that's freedommfa.com for valuable insights on investing in real estate and achieving the freedom you desire. So Chantal, take us back to the beginning a little bit. Um, when did you first consider weight loss surgery and what were some of the factors that went into that decision for you? Um, the first time I considered it, I was probably about 27 maybe right around there. Um, I had just moved down to Denver and I was doing things to try and, you know, work on my weight. I was out walking. I was doing water aerobics. I really wasn't focusing so much on what I was eating. I was living in a group home with a bunch of teenage boys. And let me tell you, they eat. And so there was, um, and they eat a lot of like big foods, like heavy foods, you know, I mean, they're just going through so much at that age. And, um, so I was, you know, eating right alongside them cause I was living with them and I was cooking for them. And so unfortunately my diet really wasn't a priority at that time, but my, I had a doctor that had suggested weight loss surgery. So I went and I saw the weight loss clinic and um, the process, it was the same clinic I'm doing my surgery with now. However, I believe they've changed their process because the first time I went, it was not nearly as smooth as this process has been. And I actually ran into quite a few roadblocks and I got discouraged. And um, so I gave up. And I will tell you, looking back now, 150 pounds heavier than I was then, I wish more than anything that I had actually completed the process that first time around. But it's never too late to change your life. It's never too late to make the changes to become the person you want to be. And so here I am about seven, eight years later, and we're going at it again. And this time there's nothing that is going to stop me from completing this process and meeting the goals that I've set for myself. I think that is so insightful. Cause it's like, yeah, you, you did, 
you did, you know, start this journey like a long time ago and it just didn't, it wasn't the right time. You know, it seems like there were a lot of factors that contributed to that. I don't think I was ready. And, you know, if I, if I had really been ready, I would have been a more advocate for myself and I would have fought more with the clinic to get it done. I was hitting roadblocks, setting appointments for like my psychological eval and for my nutritional meetings. And it just kept... Like, I got so frustrated. I can remember telling myself, like, I'm putting all this work into this, and you're not doing anything to help me. Like, and I I remember just getting so frustrated with the process that I finally just gave up on it. And unfortunately, in doing so, I gave up on myself. But it seems like this time around... um... A, it seems like the the pro- like the medical process has been much more much smooth. easier. Um, so I think that's been huge. Um, and and now you're you're more ready. You know, yeah. Like like you have said to me in the past, like you were, you had basically like given up on yourself. Yeah. And this is kind of I've I've seen it like kind of breathe like a new life into yourself. It's like Absolutely. you have a new lease on life now. Yeah. I mean, I would say when I started this process six months ago, five months ago, I had given up on having any sort of meaningful life. My mobility was so severely affected by my weight. Um, I wasn't driving anymore. I wasn't showering, standing up. I wasn't, I mean, just to get from my bedroom into my living room was an immense struggle and I live in an apartment complex that I have stairs that I have to get out of it. And so I wasn't leaving my apartment because I couldn't do the stairs. I mean, I would leave maybe once a month if I had to, and only because I would have friends that like come and see me and I would feel so bad about not ever going to see them. And so I would force myself every once in a while to get out and go other places instead of forcing people to come and see me. And Mm -hmm. it was so difficult and it would be so daunting and terrifying I'd be so scared about it. And mm. anywhere I went, I had to think about, oh, is there going to be somewhere I can sit? Is it going to be safe for me? Am I going to injure myself? I mean, every aspect of my life at that point was affected by my weight. And I wasn't living. And mm. I I just decided I was done. I was done with my life being that way. Absolutely. I mean, that makes a lot of sense as to why you would want to, you know, start this journey again even though it's it's not an easy thing to do it's definitely not felt like I was gonna die in this apartment like it was just I didn't have anything else left I I had to I had to change yeah I was like change yeah yeah absolutely and and it is it is changing for you now and um I think that's just such an amazing thing and so proud of you Don't Judge a Girl by Their Size is sponsored by Cloud Underground. Make starting a company as straightforward as playing an RPG with the RPG of Life Incubator from Cloud Underground. Start building your business for free today. Learn more at cloudunderground.dev. That's cloudunderground.dev. I want to talk a little bit about something that I don't know that you and I have ever really talked about. Um, I'm curious, Chantal, when did weight begin to become a struggle for you? I mean... I think that weight has probably always been, I've always been a little bit bigger. Like, I mean, growing up, I was never as small as anyone else was, but I wasn't really big. Like, I always think to myself, God, I'd kill to be high school fat again. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, you know, I was not the skinny kid at school, but I, looking back at it, I, I felt like I was so huge, but looking back, I wasn't. 
um, actually. And um, and you were always so active. I mean, even super I active. So like my freshman year of college at CSU and we kind of like, you know, really like recommitted to our friendship, you know? Yeah. Um, I feel like you were going, you were like doing EMT training and like you were like just running yeah. around. and I like became an EMT. Yeah. I was doing stuff with Dive Rescue. Um, I, yeah, I was a very active teenager. I loved basketball. I grew up in the pool. I was in it every day practically. Mm-hmm. Um. I played street hockey with the kids in my neighborhood. I I competitively fought. I did Krav Maga. I, I mean, I was I was very very active. Um, and oh my gosh, I forgot you guys did martial arts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did Taekwondo. Um, got through to my first degree black belt. Um, <laughs> That's I was awesome. super super active as a kid and. So I don't remember my weight really being an issue then, like in this, in the sense that it is now. And it really stop you from, from living a, like a full and active life. Uh, yeah, it did not. And it was, I probably was in my mid twenties when it started affecting my, uh, my physical abilities. Um, when I started having really bad issues with my back and, um, being able, like I could walk, but it was painful and I, you know, over time the weight piled on and the mobility diminished, um, as the weight went higher, the mobility went lower. And I mean, got to the point where I was not really doing anything. So, um, probably really the last 10 years have been the biggest struggle with the weight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So why did, how did you choose um, like which weight loss path was right for you? Like we talked about it a little in the beginning. Um, you know, there does, there is a lot of stigma around going like the surgery path. Yeah. Um, but so why did you decide that that was how you wanted to do it? And what were some of like the risks and benefits you weighed in that decision? Definitely. Um, okay. So with the last 10 years of struggling with my weight, I have done many things. I have joined Curve, the gym that was for women and had like the 30 minute, like, and you did a circle rotation through the <laughs> machines. I've done Weight Watchers. I've done Noom. I've done the South Beach diet. I've done, I mean, you name it and I've tried it and none of it has stuck. None of it has been successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, I, I wanted to be able to, I wanted to be able to do something that was going to be sustainable, that was going to provide me the, the most, the highest possibility of success. And I felt like with all of my other attempts, not getting the results that I needed or wanted this to me was kind of my last option and you know we like we've mentioned before the stigma that comes with it I you know coming to terms with the fact that this is not a quick fix this will affect my life every day for the rest of my life my entire body and the way that I absorb nutritions and the way that I eat and that I keep myself healthy and fuel my body and my muscles are going to be completely affected by this. This is not an easy way out. This is a change of my life every day for the rest of my life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a really important thing that that you have to consider when you're, you know, when you're deciding what path is right for you. It's like 
this is a very, you know, it, 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 it is, it's going to be something every day for the rest of your life. And I know you have other family members who have struggled with their weight and have gone different routes. And I think that's another thing that is important to consider is like, everyone is going to have a, ba- a path that's right for them. And, yeah. um, you know, no judgment. It's like, whatever works for you is what you should do. Yeah. And so I think for you, it's like, this is the path that's right for you, that this is what's going to work for you. This, Yeah, this is definitely how I felt I was going to have the most sustainable success possible. And for me, when I'd gotten to a point where my weight was just so severely affecting my life, I didn't have, I don't have another option. I mean, mm-hmm. I really feel like it's either this or I die. And I don't want to die. Mm-hmm. And I haven't always had the self value to feel that and but I do now and I want to live and I want to live a life with my husband and I want to live a life with my family and my friends and I can't do that continuing the way that I've been living and really just have a life again yeah because like you were saying like you were like I'm just gonna die in this apartment and like that sucks for anybody, no matter who you are, you know? Yeah. It's like, you need to, you need to be able to live your life and you're such an active person and you're such a social butterfly. And so I'm, I know that it's like been hard for you to not be able to be as active as you want to be, to not be able to go to concerts, you know, not to, it's like the little play poker, like, come on. I used to play like 10 games a week. Like (laughs) now I'm lucky if I go to a game every six months. So um, I'm excited to, you know, get aspects of my life back that bring passion to me that I'm passionate about. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit, uh, you know, you've, you've been on this journey for a little bit. uh, And so, so how are you feeling? How are you feeling about your decision at this point? I have not at any point regretted my decision once I made it I dove completely into it and I've tried to learn as much as I possibly could about not only the procedure I'm having but life after bariatric surgery I'm somebody who really likes to be prepared and educate myself Um, I think that knowledge is power I think that it removes fear And so I've spent five months really, really, really researching as much much as I possibly could about this. And I have not come across anything that scares me enough to not want to do this. Nothing scares me as much as dying in this apartment. (laughs) So it's definitely, um, it's been a crazy journey. And I've learned so much about myself and I've grown so much, I think. And I'm so grateful for every stage of it and step of it. It's it's not been an easy journey. And I, I've really, I've seen you kind of through all these different stages of your life. And um, I'm just, I'm excited to see this next stage of your life as well. So, yeah. Well, Laura, I mean, we know how I'm feeling at this point going into this and the decision I've made. How about you? What are you feeling about your journey up to this point and, and, you know, the mental aspect that goes into the decision that you've made? Yeah, I mean, it's, 
It's been, I think, actually, it's funny because I, I talked to my therapist about this a little bit today because she was like, um, you know, you might even feel almost like a little like numb to it because it's like, for me, it's like, this is what they've been recommending for me, like, since I got like diagnosed is like, okay, at some point you're going to have it's a, a vasectomy. Yeah. It's like kind of the inevitability. And like, yeah. I, I had always said to myself, okay, when I'm 30, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to bite the bullet and get it done. <laughs> and then I turned 30 and I was like, uh, uh I'm not ready. I, 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 yeah, I, I like, I was like, no, I, I'm not, I'm too attached to them at this point. <laughs> Right. So <laughs> like pull that trigger yet. Um, and so, but like I said, I like the last few times I've been in uh, to see my doctor, it's, there's been something again, it's not, it's luckily something they've been able to just do an ultrasound and say like, okay, it's not a big deal. Just come back in six months sort of a thing. But also, you know, in the last few years, my dad was diagnosed with stage four bladder cancer and, and passed away 13 months after his diagnosis. And so I think that like really confronted me with my, with my own mortality. Like there's nothing that like puts it in your face as much as, you know, watching your own parent die. Um, which I, I think after that, it was kind of like, okay, I feel like this is an inevitability for me and I never want to be in that place. And I never honestly, like, I don't want my family to have to go through that with me. Yeah. You know, I don't want them to have to like see me struggle in that way. Um, yeah. Even though I, I don't think cancer is necessarily a death sentence. It doesn't have to be. I mean, that's why for people like me, which they call pre-vivers, you know, I'm, I'm a survivor, but I haven't, but not yet sort of a thing. Yeah. Um, it's like, it is, there is that like, not if, but when, and yeah. so I think being able to like spare my family having to go through another cancer scare, you know, after my mom went through it twice, after my dad, my grandfather, um, who the gene we believe came through, through process of elimination, probably from my grandfather who had four brothers, you know, it was like all men in his generation. There weren't very many boobs. So like, again, my family history is very small and so but my my grandfather had colon cancer that's another thing that's associated with the BRCA mutation so oh, it's like it's all of these things that are if I whatever I can do to like uh, like lower or even eliminate my risk at this point I I'm gonna do it you're ready for it I'm ready for it I'm ready for it I've I've you know like I've seen it enough you know the first time my mom had cancer I was too young to remember I was like two if that when she was diagnosed and so so I don't remember any of that my brother has some memories of her not having hair and stuff like that but yeah I mean and but when she I was in high school when she was diagnosed the second the time. second time and so that was and she she didn't have cancer actually at that point she had DCIS which is um like a pre-cancer cell essentially that will turn into cancer if you don't do something about it um but yeah. so for her they were able because she she had was religious about her screenings and had, you know, did her mammograms on the one side, you know, that she had. And um, she was able to catch it really early. And yeah. so she didn't have, so the second time she just had a mastectomy, she didn't have to do chemo or radiation or do any treatment like that. I was going to say, cause I don't remember her having all of chemo and radiation, but I wasn't around the first go for cancer. Um, yeah. And so and the she, second time she didn't have any of that, which is why I don't remember it. Exactly. Exactly. And <laughs> yeah. she never, she actually did never do radiation. They, they treated it all with chemotherapy. 
yeah. And then the second time she didn't have to do any of that. She just had the mastectomy. And then um, eventually it was, like I said, like kind of was able, decided that it was like, she probably should look into it a little bit and find out why she recurred again. And, and then hence the like genetic cancer journey that we've both been on like together since then. So yeah, it, it was just like, I, I, I'm ready. Like there's nothing holding me back at this point. The other consideration is like, I might want to have kids in the next couple of years. And honestly, like that, if you have boobs that are, if, and a BRCA mutation is incredibly high risk because you can't do screening while you're pregnant. You can't do screening while you're breastfeeding. You can't do any. So like I would essentially you can be miss like, something. Exactly. I could potentially be like growing cancer in my body while I'm growing a baby and then like not be able to be there for my children, my future potential yeah. children, you know? So that's another consideration. It's like, this is the, you know, if, if that's something I want in my life, which I think I do, it's like, I need to be make, taking the right steps so that I can be there for my, for my kids. So yeah, I think there's, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, I do think I'm a little like, like I said earlier, like a little like numb to it. I think it's probably going to hit me like really hard, like maybe a few days before. And definitely I'm sure I'm going to go through a whole emotional journey after because like my body's going to look a lot different and um, feel a lot different and just, you know. Just keep but thinking about those new tits you're getting. The perfect set that you, that I never knew I needed. Yes. <laughs> that you'll completely create yourself and it'll be great. Exactly. Yeah. My plastic surgeon is quite excited to get <laughs> me to like the perfect set. So. <laughs> Something to look forward to. Exactly. Exactly. If we, if we got to do it, we might as well find the pros in it. Right. Yes. <laughs> so Chantal, what can people expect from future episodes of our podcast? What do we got lined up for season one? Um, We've got all sorts of stuff. I think that we're going to focus a lot on the whys, um, at least my whys and why I'm doing this. And I think that it's important anyone who is starting this journey to really find those whys. We'll talk about it quite a bit because it's those whys that are going to get you through the hard times in this journey. And, you know, anytime you're doubting yourself or you slip up or you, you know, you're just discouraged. Those whys are going to be what get you through everything. So I think we'll talk a lot about that. We're going to talk about um, kind of the process and what it took to get to the point of having surgery. We're going to talk about the work that I've done mentally and physically leading up to it, the changes in my diet, how that's affected my health, my mobility changes throughout this process. We also have a guest or two for people to look forward to. Yep. Um, definitely have some some fun interviews that uh, also will shed some light on, you know, the, this process, this bariatric uh, journey that you're on and talk to other people about what, what it's been like for them and especially people who are like a little farther down the road. So, yeah, we definitely want to be able to provide people who are considering this kind of an idea of what it looks like. I think that this journey can be very intimidating to some and hopefully we can shed some light on some of the maybe darker fears people have about bariatric surgery. Um, like I said, I think that knowledge is power and it removes fear. And so if we can provide that to our listeners, that's something that I want to be able to do. Yeah, absolutely. Same. 
yeah, I'm just excited. I'm excited to be out there. Um, I'm excited to for us both to share a little bit about like what we're going through and and hopefully help other people along the way. And if nothing else, help educate people and yeah, provide that like supportive structure that uh, maybe people aren't finding in their own personal lives. Uh, Along those lines, we do have a Facebook group that is going along with our podcast called Don't Judge a Girl by Their Size on Facebook. Uh, We'll be linking that in the episode show notes. So go ahead and check that out. And yeah, uh, that community is Chantal's been sharing a lot of like bariatric friendly recipes, just support, encouragement. Um, It's been growing really fast already. So we've got some really incredible people in there. It's just a really fun, supportive place to be. So um, if you're looking for that support, if you're not finding it in your real life, come join our Facebook group. Yeah, absolutely. We want to hear your story. We want to share our story. As I said, I've been doing tons of research and looking into so many different avenues. And so anything that I have personally found useful in this journey, I'm making sure to share and make available to everyone else. Definitely want to try and eliminate some of that extra legwork for people. Not everyone has the drive or the passion to educate themselves nearly as much as I do. Um, That's, you know, being a nurse and just kind of being raised in a medical family. It's definitely something that is mm, maybe a little bit easier for me to come by. I want to be able to take what I'm learning and provide that to people who need that assistance as well. Definitely. Uh, In closing, Chantal, what do you what do you really hope people gain from from hearing your story? I, I really hope that people gain a better understanding of what living with obesity is like and maybe have a little more compassion and kindness. Yes, absolutely. I I hope that too. And I, I think that if we can shed a little light for someone who doesn't understand and have somebody come at this with a little more empathy to approach other people with a little more empathy. And, you know, nobody chooses this, right? Like, it's not like you decide someday. I didn't wake up one day and decide that I wanted to be obese. Let me tell you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Most of my life wishing that I wasn't. And so, yeah, I think that we, you know, this journey teaches you so much about yourself. They've learned a lot and I'm happy to share it with everyone. Absolutely. Yeah, same for me. I think um, I really hope people have a better understanding of, you know, breast cancer gene mutations, breast and ovarian cancer gene mutations. Uh, I really hope people can have an understanding of why I would do something so extreme, like having a double mastectomy. Same for you. Why why you would want to have a, have surgery to, you know, totally take remove like 80% of your stomach, (laughs) you know? So I think the more we can kind of share that and help people understand that, like, that's what we're here for. Absolutely. We'll have empathy and understanding. So, yep. Cool. Well, thank you everyone for joining us on our very first episode of don't judge a girl by their size. Uh, We hope you'll tune in for our next episode and uh, stay with us all season. Definitely. If you're, if you're liking this, subscribe follow our podcast go find us on facebook join Join our our patreon if you want to uh support us uh in other ways as well so all right thanks laura so much we'll talk to you soon yeah thanks chantal don't judge a girl by their size is created produced and hosted by laura riley and chantal powers 
edited by Laura Riley. Voiceover by Greg Christensen. If you're going through your own weight loss journey, join our Facebook group. Don't judge a girl by their size. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support the show, join our Patreon where you'll get bonus content and monthly exclusives with Laura and Chantal. You can find links to that and all of our socials in the episode description. And of course, subscribe to Don't Judge a Girl by Their Size wherever you listen to podcasts.